You're listening to the Bookkeepers Podcast with the 6FB, the weekly podcast for bookkeepers. Every week, we'll be talking about what's new in the bookkeeping world. And here are your hosts and founders of the Six Figure Bookkeeper, Joe Wood and Zoe Whitman. Hi, and welcome to the Bookkeepers Podcast. I'm Zoe Whitman. I'm in South Wales. I'm joined by Joe Wood and Kent. Hi, Joe. How are you? Hi, Zoe. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Half term here. Is it half term where you are too? It is half term. I have a little helper in the background with me who's doing some quiet colouring, I think. Oh, we'll see how this goes. goes. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I've got I've got a trainee here this week. I've got um, my niece on work experience, um, which is interesting always to have somebody brand new into the business who, um, I mean, we started off with learning how to open and download Zoom and things like that and um and she said at one point say I've never had to rewrite my email address so many times in a day just trying to get an, onto applications and things so yeah it's, it's been fun here but um it's nice to have new fresh blood in the business oh that's really exciting oh great yeah. and it's just like so inspiring for her as well to find out like how it works and um, actually work with you it just changes your relationship up a bit as well doesn't it absolutely oh, wow. Well, look, today we, um, we'd we love to bring a really interactive episode of the Bookkeepers podcast to you. Um, if you're joining us live in the Six Figure Bookkeepers Club or on LinkedIn or YouTube and you have a question, please don't be afraid to ask a question. Um, we're joined by Rachel Howarth, who is a, a sales mentor. I've met Rachel on Clubhouse. She's absolutely amazing. I know she's going to have brilliant wisdom to share with us all today. And I know that sales the idea of going into a sales call can feel overwhelming um so really excited to speak to Rachel today um Rachel how are you doing hello girls yeah I'm really well thank you thank you for inviting me to be here with you today and um I'm I'm kind of excited and scared at the same time because obviously we haven't prepared anything so um yeah I'm happy to answer anything that you've got to throw at me <laughs> oh bless you well do you know when um we usually send our guests a couple of questions ahead of the podcast and say we need to talk about this this and this and I just know from conversations Rachel can just deal with anything fired at her so I think that's and that's why you know I'd love to say if, you, if you've got a particular challenge regarding sales right now or you've got a question that's or something that's holding you back from moving your business forward let us know what it is because then we can try and help you in this session um Rachel do you want to start by telling us a bit about what you do yeah sure um that would be good wouldn't it so I am a sales and business coach I work predominantly in the online space now although I haven't always I've run my business for five years um covid kind of stopped a lot of the face-to-face stuff so I used to run a training consultancy where we trained in sales customer service leadership and communication skills and then obviously face-to-face work uh, kind of fell off a cliff didn't it when we went into lockdown and I completely pivoted into the online space which I had fought against for a number of years for lots of reasons I think Zoe you've probably heard me talk about these reasons before, but I just didn't like the fact that the online space felt very um, ego driven. There was lots of people talking about how successful they were, lots of people claiming to have, you know, made a million pounds yesterday. And I just didn't fancy being in that world. So I resisted it until I was forced into it. And, um, And I kind of realized then when I started that just because everybody else was doing that didn't mean that I had to do that. So now when I'm working with my clients, I tend to attract the clients that are a little bit more maybe authentic and aligned to uh, my way of thinking, you know, like they um, they don't want to be seen to be, you know, sharing their bank statements and talking about all that bravado. 
they just want to be good at their job. They just want to help people. And so I help them to build an online business model, whether that be, you know, designing memberships, courses, group programs. That's probably my my real zone of genius is like designing a really profitable group coaching program. And that probably comes from the fact I've run a training company for five years. So I've built and delivered so many training programs. I think at my last count, it was like over 300 training programs. So I know how to train. I know, you know, I'm qualified, train the trainer. Um, and so I help my clients now to build that profitable business model to really train their clients in whatever it is that their area of expertise is. And then obviously be really comfortable and confident going into sales conversations, sending sales emails, engaging in the DMs, which is something that people are so frightened of doing. And I think all of that comes from the fact that we've all been sold to in a way that we didn't appreciate and we therefore don't want to be that person. So I help my clients to not be that person, not be that sleazy, yucky salesperson that gets rejected. So, yeah, I love that. And none of us want to be that person like that. And that, I think, is why sales has a bad name and why people yeah. are so afraid of this. And um, you said at the beginning about um, what well, you, you're on, you're in the online space and you were talking about how you were able to attract the kind of people you want to work with, not the people. Kath's just said a million pounds in one day. Um, <laughs> but that, I know, like being on Clubhouse, I hear that all the time as well, like all the billionaires and all of that, you know. Um, and and I think that that. I suppose during the last 18 months or so we've been saying to people as well you need to be online you need to be more vis visible you need to find you need to use social media and we talk about attracting an ideal client all the time but how do you make sure that the right kind of person is seeing your message yeah I mean it's it sounds very cliche we hear it so often we've got to build your ideal client profile if you're speaking to everybody you're speaking to nobody and and I kind of feel sometimes when I give that advice that people's eyes are rolling into the back of their head and they're thinking, oh, here we go again, ideal client profile. But it is so important. I think you've only got to think about what you're like as a buyer. Think about, you know, when you're choosing what restaurant to go in, what, what dress to buy, what bag to buy, what phone to buy. How do you behave as a buyer? How do you respond when you hear certain brand messages, there are some that really connect with you and there are some that really don't and actually repel you. And so one of my favorite phrases is those who sit on the fence get splinters. You know, like if you try to be everything, you will just be bland. You will be bland. You'll be boring. You'll be vanilla. And nobody, nobody will have that little mental tick sheet going off in their head when they're reading your copy, when they're hearing your video. You want your ideal client to be thinking, that's me she's talking about. She's describing how, how I feel. Wow, like she really gets me. And so you need to explain. You need to demonstrate empathy and understanding. So that's where you see people start videos with things like, you know, are you struggling to find clients today? Are you feeling like you don't want to show up in the DMs like an absolute sleaze bag? Are you feeling that way today? And when I say that, people are like, oh, yeah, that's me. So the best way to attract your ideal client is to walk a day in their shoes. Imagine what they do when they first open their eyes in the morning. Do they spring out of bed? Do they grab their phone? Have they got kids jumping all over them? Have they got to go let the dog out? Just think about what does a day in their life look like? Walk a day in their shoes. Like, where do they go to work? Do they commute? Do they drive? Do they get a train? Do they work in their home? Think about 
every little aspect of their day, what what stresses them out, what they have for lunch, where they eat their lunch, all those little things. It sounds ridiculous, but once you start really thinking about who your ideal client is, it means that you can describe them in every facet of their life, every little detail about how they think. I was, I was working with a fitness coach the other day and, you know, her big strap line was about losing weight. And, you know, I, I said, everybody wants that, you know, like, there's so many people out there that would say, yeah, I'd love to lose a couple of pounds. Forget talking about that. Talk about what they really want. Talk about the black dress that they wore at last year's Christmas party that doesn't fit them this year. And they are horrified at the thought of standing in front of the mirror, squeezing their ass into that dress and feeling terrible going to the work party. Like that's going to connect with your ideal client. Not do you want to lose weight? You know, one's bland, one hits the heart. If you can hit the heart, you can attract your ideal client. Wow. Wow. I mean, you're talking to me right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I've got that black dress too. <laughs> so, okay. So, right. What you just said there is just amazing and perfect. But our bookkeepers are scared that they are pushing people away. Well, can't I? Why can't I work with that person and that person? And, um, you know, I can't I can't afford to turn away any sales or anything at the moment. I need to work with everybody. And, and we try and say to people that it's not about necessarily turning people away. But in your messaging, it's about talking to that ideal person that if they came on board, you could add so much value and you would take them on that amazing journey and take them from A to B and they will be a raving fan of yours. But if you just but if you don't talk to that, you're never going to find them. If you if you talk to everybody, then yeah, you will you will hit and you'll get some clients. But um, I was talking to Ashley Leeds actually yesterday in LinkedIn, and he was talking about his non compete clause, and he said it was three months, and I actually had one for three years that I couldn't go and speak to any of my old clients. But it was the best thing ever because it stopped me working with the same old, same old that I'd always worked with, and started thinking, who would I love to work with? Yeah. who would be perfect for me and also and I find as well in sales copy and things yes you want to talk to your ideal client but don't you also want to be really truly authentically you when you talk isn't it so much easier to just be I mean me and Zoe are so different okay in so many ways we have so much of the same values but also I tell everybody, if you want to know anything about me, just ask and I'll put it all over social media. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. Whereas Zoe's very keeps things to herself and private. And, and she will attract a, a person, another person that's like that. Someone that's a private person client will look at me and think, oh my gosh, she's vulgar. Why would she do that? Whereas <laughs> my clients think I'm funny and think, oh my God, why did you post that? And we'll have a joke about it. So yeah. I think, even though you want to find out who they are, your ideal client has to allow you and be on the same wavelength as you. Do you think that? I, t I totally agree. A client sent me a video the other day and said, you know, can you let me know what you think of this before I upload it onto, onto a, a web page? And I had to reply straight back and say, that's, that's not you. You're being your video personality. You know, you're like sat at your desk all posh and prim going, hello. You know, that's not that's not the person that's going to show up when you're with your clients. You need to be you 
the whole way through. So I was, I had a one-to-one client last night and as we dialed into Zoom, she said, oh, I love your jumper. And I went, this is not a jumper. This is pajamas, love. You know, like I am literally in my pajamas at 7 p.m. And she was like, oh, I just, I love our one-to-ones because we're so relaxed. And that is how it should be. You know, like I'm sat here now in my sports stuff. I That's how I would be with a client. We can't show up fake because then when you win that client, you've signed up to work with them and you're in that relationship, then they'd be like, well, where's Rachel gone? Where's the Rachel that I met on the sales call? Where's the Rachel that I see on social media every day? You need to be yourself from the get-go, the whole way through, because nobody can keep up that facade of being what you think you should be. Um, And that very same client that I worked with last night is, is really struggling with imposter syndrome and comparing herself to other people and what she's done this morning we we planned it last night she's done a video a live on instagram which she's called a confession and it's her confessing that she watches other people she compares herself to them and it makes her show up trying to be what she thinks her audience want her to be instead of what she wants to be and my advice to her was just tell them just tell your audience how you feel they will connect with that. They will say, oh, bless her. Like, no wonder she looks nervous on video sometimes. She's trying to be somebody else. Just confess to it. And then your imposter, that doubt will just be so squashed that it will be, it won't have anywhere to go because you've just killed it by confessing to everybody. There's nothing else to hide. So I think we've just got to understand ourselves, you know, which I think comes a bit more easy as you get older in life you know like you you get to know yourself a bit more and you get to accept your flaws and stop being bothered about hiding those things you know um but I think once you just embrace who you are and your ideal client can see that you are who you are everything gets so much easier so much easier oh I love it so so we work we understand who our ideal client is we know we're able to describe their pain points so they can see that we can get inside their heads and we show up as ourselves and we authentically are ourselves or if we've been doing that pretending thing we go out there and say oh I'm actually really struggling with this and this is who I am how do you then take people because I think for most of us all right some of us will be going to networking events now actually maybe in real life but usually most of what we're doing is probably online so how do we then get people to actually get on a sales call with us because that's what we really need to be doing next isn't it yeah yeah absolutely so I think there's a couple of there's a couple of parts to this so most people in the online space would have a scheduling tool wouldn't they like a Calendly or Acuity or some other scheduler where you're inviting those sales calls so really what you want to try and do is make sure that you are knowing who are the best people for you to invite to that call and then allowing that call scheduler to process that request for a call. And um, (laughs) I think when you've been in the online space a lot and you're very clear about who you want to work with, some of those pre-call questions are there to repel as well as to attract. When When you first start in the online space, you don't have any pre-call questions. You're like, yeah, you want to book a call? Come into my diary. I'll speak to anyone. And and you should, you know, at the beginning, you should speak to as many people as possible. And um, I, I see it like um, one of those, one of those like slot machines, you know, like where you, 
you put your you put somebody in at the top and then you let them filter in to whichever place they they fit so you might have a call and they filter into future client you might put somebody else in the pot and they filter into referrer somebody that i can refer to and who can refer back to me you might put somebody else in the pot and they'd be like a you know an introducer kind of arrangement you know like somebody that's heavily networked in professional services for example if you want to you know work in that industry so i think you've got to speak to as many people as possible have as many conversations with human beings who look and sound like your ideal client as possible and then allow the cream to rise you know allow the people that are ready for your service to to rise to the top to become more than a referrer more than somebody in your network and to really align with what it is that you help them with now often we will say um you know we've got to we've got to focus on the pain that people are feeling right now so in bookkeeper world you know the first thing i ever outsourced was my bookkeeping because that is well i've got evidence receipts you know like just it drives me crazy it the thought of doing my own bookkeeping was just not for me so that was the first thing that i outsourced so you could say that i had some very obvious pain points now talking to me back then about those pain points was not really necessarily the right thing for anybody trying to sell to me to do what they really needed to sell to me you know by doing is talking about all the things that will be in existence when those pain points are gone so i often talk about a sales bridge so you imagine your ideal client needs to walk over a bridge from pain to solution now under that bridge there are hungry crocodiles right and that signifies the fact that your client is scared they're scared to walk on the bridge they're scared to work with you because of bad salesmanship in the past you know or saleswomanship you know like bad experiences with suppliers they're scared of wasting money they're scared of signing up for a contract with their bookkeeper and not being able to fulfill that over a period of months because maybe they don't have the income they're scared of saying that they'll work with somebody and then 3 months later thinking actually she's not really for me they're scared of so many things and you know that's why the bridge has got to have crocodiles underneath it because we've got to remember that our ideal client is frightened and it's our role as the supplier as the seller in that situation to make them feel safe to make them feel comfortable to walk over that bridge from pain to solution but if all we do is talk about the pain we're not motivating them to want to even put one foot on that bridge because what they need to do is look over to the other side and say i want to be over there I want to be over there where I haven't got a pile of receipts on my desk where I haven't got the vat man or somebody else banging at my door saying you know where's the report I need this and you know I I want um I want that freedom and that you know peace of mind to know that my bookkeeping is taken care of by somebody that knows what they're doing they understand the vat laws they're up to date with what what should happen and the way that courses should be taxed in the way that you know food and drink should be taxed or whatever kind of client you've got they're up to date with it which means i don't have to be so i think we've got to remember if you want to get people on calls yes you've got to understand their pain points but you've also got to remember they're frightened they need to be reassured that you're the right person and they need to be motivated to walk over that scary bridge 
And so we need to be reaching our hand out and saying, come on, it's okay, come with me. I've done this before, I know what I'm doing. I already look after clients just like you and they're happy, this is what they say. So we need to just remember that um, if we can get our ideal client to walk over that bridge, then it's actually our sale to lose, not our sale to, to, to win, because it's, the, it's, it's their decision. You know, sales is a coaching conversation. It's about empowerment. Mm -hmm. It's not about mm -hmm. influence. It's not about dragging them over the bridge. It's not about, you know, suddenly taking away the other side of the river and forcing them over. It's about empowering them to take, to take that step. So yeah, I would, Love encourage, it. I would encourage anybody, you know, all of your listeners, all of your audience to just grab a sheet of paper across the top, draw a little bridge to remember the crocodiles, right? Remember, remember the, <laughs> you've got one, I love it. Draw that and then down the left, draw the, the side of the river with all the pain and then draw the side of the river with what the solution will look, sound, feel like, everything about the solution. And then allow those two things to feature in your content, in your videos, in whatever material that you're putting out there. Oh my goodness. That is that I've got that image of the crocodiles and it's like it's about how we can kind of, put, kind of put muzzles over the crocodiles so they're still there but it's safe enough to walk over and yeah. join me and yeah. um I, I love that Kat said she said we could highlight things like a rolling monthly contract which is something I do I only only sign my client sign um, my clients are only signed up for one month at a time I'm only as good as the 30 days beforehand and they don't have to sign. I don't want any clients staying with me if they're not happy. And um, and but it's it's about getting rid of those myths again with accountancy and bookkeepers is that like, oh, you're, you're, you're that's it. You're in with me for 12 months and you can't go. And yes, it yeah, it was a pain if somebody leaves you and you've invested that time in that early part of the um, of the contract and then they want to go. But then that's our fault if we're not fulfilling. The other thing I find, Rachel, is that we undersell. We, we try and get people to join us for just that tiny little thing. And we never let them know what we can do for them. And, and because we worry that they'll say, oh, I haven't got the money for that. But we don't actually tell them what we could do. And I find this, so a lot of my clients are salon owners. And I've, I've been explaining to them recently that actually they say, oh, but, but nails, they're a loss leader. And I'm like, no, nails are your marketing spend. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, because, yeah, you don't make any money, really. but exactly that's that first step on the bridge for a client when yeah. I go and test out someone and with nails I'm not going to get injured they might be rubbish and I might not want to go back but I'm just testing out and I said but what your job is and your your therapist job is to tell them about everything that goes on in those secret rooms at the back that we can't see everybody knows you do nails because they're always at the front of the shop but I want to know what's that magic that goes on in the back and we talk about now I talk about with my clients about skin transformations what could you really do if someone paid? What could you do with all that machinery you spent thousands and hundreds of thousands of pounds on that you don't tell anyone about? I mean, they've got fat freezing. They've got, you know, spray tans. They've got everything, but they go on behind closed doors and they don't advertise it anywhere. And bookkeepers are the same. So now what I do in my sales calls is I say to them, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell you everything I possibly could do for you. And then... If, if that's out of your budget, we can strip it back to maybe to quarterly service or or maybe you don't want some of those services. But I tell them everything that I can do and then let's go backwards from there. And since I've done that, 
lots more people have signed up for more but also even if they start off signing up for less they say in six months time it's my it's my goal to get there and then I help them to get to the point where they can afford more of my services but in the past I never told them what I could do I just was thinking oh well I'm sure they can only afford bookkeeping and VAT what I don't know why I did that but we do that don't we so is do you think that bookkeepers should Oh, firstly, they've got to figure out what the best fandangled service is. What, what was what would be the amazing? What could happen at the other side of the bridge that would be amazing? And what would they need to do for that client? I just don't think we think about it enough, do we, Zoe? Do you agree? Do you think that our bookkeepers don't think about it? No, I, there are things that we talk about regularly, like, for example, I keep having chats with somebody about credit control. We never talk about credit control, but it's a massive extra service. And, you know, we talk about advisory, quite, but there's just, there's just so much more that bookkeepers can be offering, but it's just not, I don't know, on the menu to discuss. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that helps to give that peace of mind. I mean, it's funny funny you touch on credit control because my bookkeeper at the moment, she has instigated um, a legal process with somebody from my other business that owes quite a lot of money. And, um, and she's taken care of all of that. She's found the guy, she's set it all up, she's done the contract. All I've had to do is go and get the audit trail and the original T's and C's and, you know, all the detail. And she's owning all of it for me. You know, I don't have to have my head worried about all of that stuff, Um, which if I didn't have her and if I didn't trust her, I would be in a world of pain right now, you know, with all these emails from a solicitor that I I don't really have time to deal with. So, yeah, I, I agree. You do need to make people aware of what, you know, how how good it could look. And um, to really make the point about a sales conversation being an empowering conversation, a coaching conversation, one of the best things that you can, one of the best questions that you can ask at that point in the sales conversation where, you know, you kind of had a really good chat, you understand each other and you kind of want to get to the point where you are talking about the costs and the way it would work if you were to work together. A really great question to ask is, what would you like to happen next? Because then the client has to give you an answer. Now, they're going to either give you an answer that that sounds like a green light, or they're going to give an answer that sounds like a red light, or they're going to give an answer that sounds a bit amber, in which case you know that you need to ask maybe a few more questions, you need to understand a bit more. You know, whereas if they give you that answer at that point that sounds like a red light, then you know, well, actually, do I want to spend any more time here? Were they just shopping around? Do I want to put any more effort in? Or if they give you that answer that's a green light, you can cut straight to, okay, well, let's talk about exactly how it would look in terms of my contracts or, you know, uh, the way that we would communicate, for example. So, yeah, that empowering question of what would you like to happen next? When would you bring that question... If, so if you were just thinking about the sales course, you've got you've, someone's booked in through your diary. They've hopefully done some pre-qualifying questions. So you can rule out time wasters and people that don't have the budget, perhaps. And then you've got you're having a call with someone who looks good on paper. Um, what how would you structure that meeting and where would you bring this kind of question into it? Yeah, so great question. So um, a good sales call always starts with rapport then goes into understanding. So it goes into 
you know, um, questioning. Sometimes people call it fact finding. That sounds a bit cold. I call it understanding. So my sales call framework is called Cupid. So the C is for connect, which is rapport building. The U is for understand. And the P is for present, which is where you present your solution. Yeah, you're on the other side of the bridge now describing what's over there. But before you go from understand into present, you would give a kind of a summary back. So that's when you would ask that question. So the summary might sound like, um, so as I understand it, your uh, roughly your expenses are totaling X amount. They're taking you X number of hours. Um, you really want to get this sorted within the next month or so because you should have really asked questions about when do you want to start? You know, how much time is this taking you right now? Because you can't give them a quote if you can't estimate how long it might take you. And, and obviously, you know, your your audience might have their contracts set up in lots of different ways. But you need to understand that. And then before you present, you've got to get permission to present. So you do, you do that summary of I've understood that you want this. I've understood that you want it by this date. I've understood that the type of bookkeeper that you would like to work with is like this. I've understood the amount of communication that you feel that you would like to have with your bookkeeper. I've understood your VAT status. I've understood blah, 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 blah. So you give a summary. And then when you give that summary at the end, you say, so what would you like to happen next? And they will then say either, well, tell me, tell me what it's going to cost to work with you. Or they'll say, um, do you have space on your books for me? Or they'll say, well, um, yeah, you've understood it all correctly, but I need to think about it, you know? And at that point, they haven't even got a price. So what are they thinking about? So you just need to ascertain from that question, is it a red light, green light, or is it an amber light? In which case, should you move into the present stage and give them your contract? I've, I've known many people, you know, in the accountancy professional services world where, They'll go into the present stage regardless and then spend hours putting together a proposal, make it look all professional. And then they get ghosted once they've sent the proposal. But you could have saved yourself all that time by asking, what would you like to happen next? And if you get a red light, accept it's a red light and just move on. Don't waste the time trying to do a proposal. So would you have set out, this is the way I work before you get onto that call? Because I know lots of people in our group use software to do their quoting. We, have, there's, we work, go proposal quite a lot, which is one of the big tools that is used in the accountancy space. And I know that Joe will go through that proposal. So when you're doing that information gathering part, the understanding, you'll be filling in the proposal software there, wouldn't you? And then you'll be ready to give them your biggest package, the biggest possible package to say, well, this is what I've got. And then you're probably expecting to maybe remove something from that if they look a bit uncomfortable with it. That, so yeah <laughs> yeah i think yeah so i i and i think what uh rachel has said is definitely at the beginning have that connection figure out how they've come to me who referred me etc and then you know definitely the understanding part listening asking questions asking questions asking questions i think then because of the proposal software we have i can do every um discovery call as such within half an hour i know in the past I would have done exactly that, gone away and spent ages on a proposal, but the software allows me to then say, okay, so from what we've understood, you need this service, you need this service, you need this service, and they go across saying, yes, 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 yes. And then at the end, it comes out with what it is, and that's my point where I have to try and stay quiet, but I'd like to ask, so what would, 
I like to ask that question maybe at the end. You know, what could, you know, how would you like this? How would you like this to work next? And sorry, I'm, I'm trying to remember the exact words you said because I need it yeah. pinned across my um, <laughs> across my laptop. And then because then they I they do know how much it is, but they've also agreed along the way. This is the service I need. Yes, 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 yes. And it is about getting them to kind of agree. But we are. I'm very lucky with the proposal software that it's quick. Um, but what my bit, Rachel, where I fall down. Yes, Nicola has asked, and I was going to ask the same quick, uh, question. What does the I and D stand for? Because we got to the P. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the I stands for isolate, which is where you isolate objections. Uh, and the D and the D stands for diarise. And that diarise is either you diarising when you're going to start working together or when you are going to speak again, when you are going to follow up. So you would, you know, hit the button and go proposal, off with, off the proposal would go. And what often people will do is they will say, well, you've, you know, the proposal's in your inbox, you know, let me know, let me know what you think. And then nothing. And you get completely ghosted. And then, yeah, and then, and then the little gremlins come in going, well, should I follow up 24 hours later? Two days later, three days. Oh, no, actually, shall I leave it a week? Oh, they said they were going on holiday. Oh, I don't want to bother them. Oh, I, I don't I don't want to be a pain in the ass. I don't want to be a nag. And then days and days and days pass. And you, when you don't get the contract, you don't win the client. You think, oh, it's because I didn't follow up soon enough or it's because I took too long. And actually, you need to have had that conversation in the sales call. Yeah, you need to have saved yourself all of that heartache by saying, you know, tell, tell me what kind of person you are. Are you the type of person that 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 proposal is going to go down your inbox and you're going to need a little bit of a reminder? Or are you the sort of person where you'd like us to book in a follow up call now? Would you like us to agree when you're going to make a decision? You need to do the D for diarise to really make sure that you don't have that awkward follow up discussion. I, I will often say to my clients, just so that you know, I will not follow you up, just so that you know that. And the reason I'm not going to ever follow you up is because my ideal client is highly ambitious. My ideal client is going to be tearing my door down to, to work with me because they want to grow their business. So I don't need to follow you up. If you're really my ideal client and we're meant to work together, I don't need to chase you anywhere. You'll be chasing me. And they're like, oh, I like it. And I can tell. I love it. I, I can tell by the look on their face if they're thinking, oh, this makes it even more appealing because I am that ambitious. I can see it in their face at yeah. that point. So, or, or you've completely turned someone off and they're not your ideal client because exactly. they're not speaking your language. Rachel, I love that because I feel guilty that I don't do the follow-up. But that was what my kind of instinct was, is that if you've spoken to me for that half an hour, seen what I've offered, and you've come to me because... Also, I don't do any cold marketing or anything. People always come to me for a referral. And I think we've got to that point and you really don't want me. That's fine. Like, that's fine. We're just not meant to work together. But yeah. what I found by leaving it and not doing the follow-up, and for me, it, it's kind of working, is that people, because I, I tend to try and make everybody that I have a meeting with a Facebook friend, so they still follow me or a link or a LinkedIn. And so then... I find that they, they come, you know, they turn up about six months later and go, right, I'm ready now. Yeah. And I feel like it's like a no brainer. I had one yesterday sign up. I spoke to her back in August and her dad is doing her bookkeeping. And she was like, I've got to sack my dad. 
And I didn't want to chase her up. And she was like, he's so precious. And she phoned me, she went, he's retiring in December. We start in January. And then she signed the proposal and I just left her. Like, and for, but for me, that works, but I know that's not going to work for everybody. And again, this is all kind of your brand and who your ideal client are, and whether they're going to respect that. And yeah. are they going to be confident enough to turn up in your inbox six months down the line? Um, so I, yeah. I love that you said that, Rachel. I might, yeah. even, I might even start. I do say to people, I don't follow up. If we're meant to be, we're meant to be together. If we're meant to work together, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. And yeah. I love that you say that. But I also agree that sometimes I, I have come to the end of a call and I'm like, oh, they've got to go and speak to um, other shareholders or directors. And I feel at that point, it's not just a them decision. They were sold on me, but they've got to speak to others. So at that point, I feel like let's get a date in the diary. When will you have a chance to speak to them? Let's catch up again. So yeah. I think there's a way of being a bit fluid. Yeah, with that and, and that's and that's exactly why Cupid has got that D at the end, because we need to diarise. We need to know what's going to happen next. But, um, you know, for anybody that's using Go Proposal and, you know, is thinking, well, I kind of I don't need to do that big pitch because it's already in the proposal. We're going to talk about it. Another great question that you can ask is, you know, I'd love to know how you feel about working with me because at this point I feel excited about working with you. I'd love to know how you, how you feel about working with me and please feel free to be honest. And that is such a vulnerable question that you can see the look in their eyes if they're thinking, well, I'm, I'm not really liking you that much. You know, obviously that's never going to happen, but you can see the look in their eyes. If, if their immediate response isn't, oh my God, I love you. I'd love to work with you. Then you kind of know, you know, you, and none of us want to have that, that awkward moment of, you know, it's like, it's like asking somebody on a date, isn't it? Do you want to go on a date? And, and, and they're going to say no. And then you're going to feel like an idiot. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. And so you've got to try and take all of that out as much as possible and just make it okay. So those vulnerable questions of what would you like to happen next, putting them in the driving seat and, um, you know, that vulnerable question of how do you feel about working with me? You know, because you want them to say, I can't wait. <laughs> I love that. And also like when it comes out of their own mouths, it they, you know, when you say something, it, it's much more a case that you're committed to it and seeing it through and they'll think, well, why am I not following up? And why am I not accepting that proposal that's come through to me? Yeah. Um, there's a question that's come from Kath, if you don't mind. She says, if you don't have space and are full up, do you keep the wheels turning on the sales side? Do you keep trying to get sales calls to speak? There can be a long lead time to getting new clients on board and you never know when an existing client will leave. So, and I know this is when people are stretched, this can feel like, actually, I'm so busy. I can't do any more sales calls. And I think that this, I see this as a challenge, not having that pipeline and then suddenly being like, oh my goodness, I, where, where are all of my clients? What, yeah. what do you think about that, Rachel? I, I think that the most sensible thing to do would be to make sure that they join your email list and um, you keep them warm on your email list. Because if you don't have space in your diary, um, and, you know, and you don't have space in, in your calendar at all for any new clients, then you don't really want to have to keep showing up every day and behaving like you are looking for clients because because you're not, you know. And the worst thing then is that you would spend all your time saying, sorry, I haven't got time. And, and that's not really what you want. That's that's not going to help your calendar either, because you're then 
you know, batting people away. And that takes time too. So I would make sure that if you have got, um, you know, a presence on social media, a presence in certain communities and networks, that you still incentivize people to join your email list because, you know, sometimes it might take them a little while to decide who they want to work with too. And getting to know you on your email list um, will mean that when that decision comes, that it they will make that decision more quickly because they already feel that they trust you because they've been reading your emails. So I, I would say use an email list for that. Love that. Okay, final question, because I realise we've got we've probably gone way over what we expected, but I think we could talk all day. Um, what would you, what's your top tip for someone who's going into their very first sales call? Because I know a lot of bookkeepers join us when they're right at the beginning, looking for their first clients, very new to this, never made a, never ever had a sales call before. And it, it feels really daunting. I can remember mine. And uh, it was, I was terrified. So uh, what would you say to someone in that position? I would say to remember that a sales call is not a presentation. It's not a presentation. It's not public speaking. It's not that you have to get all your words right and you have to present something. That's not what it is. A sales call is a conversation with a human being that needs help. They need help and you have the skills to help them. That's all it is. It's a coaching conversation. It's a it's an opportunity for both of you. So you kind of, a good mindset to have would be to see it like an interview. You're interviewing them to see if they're good enough to be one of your clients. It's not the other way around. It's not the other way around. It's not that we have to suddenly go in and go, ta-da, look at me, I'm shiny and I'm perfect and everything's amazing. That is not a sales call. A sales call is a coaching conversation. And when I say a coaching conversation, if anybody wants to go away and do their own research into exactly what I mean by coaching, go and Google the GROW model. G-R-O-W stands for goal, reality, options and way forward. That is the structure of a good coaching conversation. And it's and it's it's exactly the way that a good accountant would think too, because a good accountant would think, where do you want to get to? Where are you now? What is the gap analysis? And how are we going to close it? That's what a coaching conversation is. Where do you want to get to? How different is that to where you are now? What are the options to get there? And which of those options are you going to take? That's what a sales call is. So when you're asking questions, you're asking questions about the goal, the questions about the reality. You're also then exploring the options. And then together, you're having an empowered decision about the way forward, which is going over the bridge. Oh, my goodness. These crocodiles are going to be like in my head constantly. <laughs> um, I absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely love it. Rachel, you have been an absolute star and you've got my um, my brain is yeah on fire thinking about how I can improve my sales calls, how I can treat them more as coaching and um, I, I love it. And I think I think the fact that you're what you're saying about you're just interviewing each other to see if you're a good fit. You have the skills. That's that's you know, I know you you worry that you don't have the skills but we know you have the skills. And like me and Zoe often say, you just have to be a few steps ahead of your client to be able to help them. Yeah. You're a few steps more ahead than they are. So 
go and offer your services tell them how you can help make that get them over the bridge and um and just listen to what they've got to say offer what you can do and um yeah and help them see that it's possible and that's the other thing lots of clients don't know what's possible they might have worked with an accountant who sees them once a year late on the deadline and they've never been able to see what goes on month by month go and show them what's possible with a good bookkeeper or a good accountant who can support them and um, and help them focus on their goals rather yeah. than just you know just the goal is not to get a VAT return submitted that's a given the goal <laughs> is not to make sure your PAYE is okay that's just a done thing let's talk about the fun stuff how much can how can we get more money in your bank so you can go and put a, d- a deposit down on a Spanish villa next year? That's yeah. what we want to talk about. That's the fun stuff. Oh, Rachel, I can't thank you enough. That's been amazing. And thank you for Zoe for bringing Rachel into our community. Oh, oh you're very welcome. Do you want to let everyone know how they can find out more about what you do? I've listened to your amazing new podcast, um, but I think there are loads of other ways you can help people as well. Yeah, great. Thanks, Zoe. Well, actually, in 10 minutes time, I'm doing an Instagram live with somebody. So um, you can find me over there in about nine minutes. So my Instagram handle is um, at my sales mentor. So that is my preferred social media channel. I love Instagram just because I love the creativity of it. And I'm always doing, you know, like um, training videos and, you know, giving tips in my stories. I've also got a Facebook group, which is for um, female coaches, if anybody loves a Facebook group. But yeah, I guess for anybody that wants to hear more tips about selling, more tips around sales and marketing in the online world and how to really build a successful online business, then yeah, my podcast is called Building Online Sales Success. We're on episode, I think it's nine. um, And it was all about, this week's episode was all about the tech that you need to get started in your online business. So um, I've already had so much feedback from people saying, I love how simple you are. And obviously they're saying that in the nicest possible way <laughs> that um, I've explained this, all this difficult tech and automation in a really simple way, you know, because sometimes things are just made more overwhelming than they need to be. So um, yeah, come and listen to my podcast. I would love to have more feedback about my uh, my podcast because I'm still quite new to podcasting. So, um, yeah. Although an absolute pro at the talking, and you know, I think that's the amazing thing about Clubhouse, isn't it? It's just giving you that opportunity to practice this, but this will be such a good episode because lots of our bookkeepers want to build virtual practices. So are no different to someone who's an online coach or some, someone doing something else in the online space. So um, I'll right. be listening to that one as well. Lovely, right. thank you so much. And um, for anyone who wants to find out more about us, um, you could join us in the Six Figure Bookkeepers Club on Facebook and you can join us here every week for the Bookkeepers podcast. What I keep forgetting to say is that if you want to get text alerts when whenever we go live, we, we do our podcast every Wednesday around one o'clock, um, but you can get text alerts from us by texting 6FB or Six Figure Bookkeeper, 6FB to 66777. That only works in the UK. You'll get charged for one network rate message when you sign up, but then you'll get free text alerts every time we're about to go live. Um, it's been lovely to talk to you today, Rachel. Thank you so much for your time. We'll be there to listen to your Facebook, um, to your Instagram live in a second. And thanks everyone for joining us today. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye, girls. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Don't forget to join us every week on the Bookkeepers Podcast with Topical Bookkeeping Chat. Why not join our free Facebook group, the Six Figure Bookkeepers Club, or visit us at sixfigurebookkeeper.com.